This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been doing a series called That We Might Have Hope. And last week we started talking about uh, David at Ziklag. I want to continue that story. I want to look at something a little bit more in depth. That's how, we, that's how we roll on Wednesday nights. We look at things a little bit more in depth. We dig into it a little bit more. The story sets up in 1 Samuel. It's where David and his men, they have been, uh, they have traveled. They have left the town they were living in called Ziklag. They left the women and the children and all the old people there. And they went out to fight. And when they came back, they found that a group of Amalekites, a large group, had come through, had kidnapped everybody, stolen all the stuff, and burned the entire city. And it caused a huge amount of distress. In fact, we'll pick this up in verse uh, 4 here. First Samuel 30 says, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Anoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself and the Lord is God. We love that. We talked about that some last week. But first we have to understand that this was an incredibly distressing situation for David, that he had lost all his possessions. They had stolen everything he had and burned his house. Not only that, they burned the whole city. Not only that, but they kidnapped everybody. And so in David's mind, in the men's mind, they have no idea what's happening to their loved ones. They know all their stuff is gone. They know their homes are burned. And it was an incredibly difficult time. So they wept. The Bible said David, who was an amazing warrior, he wept until he had no more power to weep. And so he had a lot going on there and a lot that was, that was bothering him. And he also had people who were coming and wanting to kill him. They wanted to stone him. So this was causing a great amount of distress in David's mind. So here's David. He's got all these challenges. He's got all these problems. He's got all this pressure on him because people have abandoned him. They're now wanting to kill him. It's just a, it's just a bad situation all around. But let's take a look at some of the things that we see. We see that David strengthened himself and the Lord is God. So David found strength even in the middle of this bad situation. So he went from a place of, of weakness and despondency, he actually went to a place where he was strong. So that tells us something. That tells us that we can go from a weak place to a strong place. Now, it also tells us we can go from strong to weak. But the good news is, regardless of what's going on in your life, your situation can change. In other words, your level of strength can change. You may be feeling incredibly weak, but that can change. You may have felt strong at one time and now found yourself weak and you're wondering, is it always going to be that way? No, it's not always going to be that way. It can change. And we want to talk about how in the world do we get that change? We want to talk about tonight's strength gains and things that drain us of strength. And so these are, these are vital things. And so we want to talk about how those things work. So we're going to talk tonight about what David did and did not do. Here's the first thing we understand. He did not continue to look at the loss and the destruction. David did not continue to, to look at the loss. His city was burned. His home was burned. His family was gone. Everybody else's family was gone. David could not continue to look at that and gain strength in the Lord. And that's key to understand. 
He couldn't have continued to look at the problem. I wonder what it would have been like if David had news like we had news. If David had looked at the, all this devastation and then he goes into his tent and he cuts on his television and the local news comes on. And there's some guy standing there going, I'm standing here in what was a beautiful little city called Ziklag, but you can see over my shoulder the smoldering ashes of a once beautiful little community that's absolutely been devastated. We understand that a large group of Amalekites, the most fearsome warriors on the earth at this time, have come in and have destroyed the city, have taken all of the goods, and have kidnapped the people in it. In fact, we have no idea what's happened to the people. We hear, we hear talks that some of them have been killed at this point in time, but we don't know anything. Now, we're talking over here to a man who is standing. Sir, where are you standing? I'm standing next to my house. That's, uh, well, what's left of my house is burned down. It's the only house I had. You say they're going to find somebody. If they're going to, if they're, the news, they're going to find somebody that's, that's it, it's not going to be articulate. It's going to be, the, you know, the, one of the worst examples they can find. So here's this guy standing by his house and, you know, my wife and I just saved to buy this house and I don't have, everything I have is gone. It's all gone. Then he pulls a picture out. Here's my wife and here's my child. And he's crying. And the producers are like, oh, I love this. This is good. Can we, can we get something else? Yeah, we're going to go over here and we're going to find some leaders. Uh, excuse me, sir. Um, who are you? Uh, my name is Nebo. People call me Bo. And uh, I'm one of the leaders here. And we're mad at David because this is David's fault. David should not have, have brought us out here. He should have left someone behind. If we'd have been left behind, this never would have happened. Well, I see, uh, Bo, that you're carrying something in your hand. Yeah, it's a rock because we're going to kill David when we get a chance because there's no way that he's a good leader and a godly leader who could let this happen. Well, that's the news from Ziklag again. Once a beautiful community, now smoldering ashes, back to you. Is that the news or is that the news? And if David had listened to that, man, it would have just, it would not have strengthened him. It would have absolutely drained him. And so this is the time when we understand you have, we've got to take, we can't keep thinking about the loss, the negatives, all the things that have gone on. Well, what in the world can we think about? Well, this is where the psalmist, and actually David was the one, the one that wrote this in Psalms 121. He said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I'm going to lift up my eyes to the hills. He said, I'm going to lift up. What, what am I doing? I'm lifting up my eyes. That's a, that really is a metaphor for I can't look down. I can't be negative. I got to lift up my eyes because my help is coming from the Lord. So that's carrying a positive meaning. It means David had to look to the Lord. Listen, you don't get strengthened in the Lord looking at the problem. And so this is something that we, that we have, it, it's, it's sometimes a little tougher to understand because if you're always looking at the problem, you're not going to get help. It, it does not strengthen you. Now I know everyone is like, Alan, you're real down on the news. Uh, yes, I am because the news is down. And, and I, I finally realized, listen, I, I pretty much cut it off and I haven't missed it. And, uh, you know, the good news is something happens, people tell me, but I don't need to hear the negatives over and over and over again. That doesn't strengthen me. I'm not looking to the news for help. I'm looking to God for help. I'm looking to the Lord. He's the one that's going to be my help. He's the one I'm looking to in times like this. Now, here's the thing. What we surround ourselves with, you can't you can't live surrounded by negatives and not have it impact you. 
Now, I want to give you just a, a quick, brief story. We're, we're going to jump off David and Ziklag, but I want to give you another little story here about someone who, who was surrounded by negatives. His name was Lot. He was, he was the nephew of Abraham. Way back, Genesis, early story, there was Abraham. He had a nephew called Lot. He was probably, Abraham was like a father to Lot. They were very close. When Abraham left to obey God, he took Lot with him. And so Lot and Abraham were close Lot was surrounded with, with Abraham. Abraham was blessed. Lot became blessed. Abraham was a righteous man. The Bible says Lot was a righteous man, had good environments, good influences. And then they had a dispute over, over money, <laughs> which doesn't surprise anybody. That's what many disputes are over. So here's, here's Abraham and Lot, and they had so much livestock that the land couldn't contain both of them. They had to split up. And so when they split up, Lot saw, he said he looked to the east and saw it was like a, a watered garden. It's like it was like a garden of the Lord. It's beautiful. And so Lot said, that's where I'm going. And he said he, he took the good land. And in fact, Sodom was there. And Sodom evidently was just like a beautiful spot. He said, but the men in Sodom were over the top wicked towards God. I mean, this was a bad town. It was well known for being a bad town. And so Lot leaves Abraham. He leaves that influence. He moves closer to Sodom. In fact, the Bible said one translation that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. So every, every day he would get up and he would look and there's Sodom and there's Sodom and his family's like, you know, that looks really nice there. I, you know, I'd like to go to Sodom. They, they wound up living in Sodom. You say, well, what's the problem with that? Everything is the problem with that. It caused problems in his life in a big way. In fact, Peter later on references what happened to Lot in 2 Peter right here. It said, and delivered righteous Lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Now, did you catch that? He said, because he, this was, Lot was the original sin city. And, and he said, because that Lot was seeing and hearing all of this, this wickedness, it said it tormented his righteous soul. So that word torment actually means to torture, to afflict with pain, to harass. His mind his, his, his emotions, his heart, everything was impacted by what he saw. Now listen, we cannot kid ourselves. What we look at will affect us. What we are around. Uh, uh, when I was uh, 18 years old, I went and after my freshman year in college and went and sold books out in Illinois. And I, when I was in Illinois, I was born again, filled with the spirit. It was a one, I had a wonderful experience with God. My life was changed. I did not have a church there. They, they worked us pretty much seven days a week. And when I came back, I had already arranged to live with some, some fraternity brothers who were big time partiers. And uh, next door to them were more fraternity brothers who were big time partiers. So we had an apartment complex. We were off campus. I mean, it was, it, it was the den of iniquity, but I came back into it and initially... I came back and, and I was, I was pretty strong. I was resistant. I, you know, I, I, I would see them partying 
and, and I was resisting, but I tell you what happens is if you're in that environment over and over again, what you see will impact you. And even though I loved God and even though I was a young Christian, I didn't have a good church. I didn't have, I didn't really understand how to, to feed and, and spend time with the Lord on my own. I, you know, I read my Bible a little bit, but day after day, all the partying, all the, all the lifestyle, it wore me down. It tormented my rights. It impacted me. And I hate to say it, but I, man, I, I went off and just gradually slipped back. There's a biblical, we don't, it's not biblical as much, but a term we use in evangelical circles, they call it backsliding. And instead of moving forward with God, I moved way back. You say, well, Alan, you know, it was, it was your environment. Well, I didn't do anything to get out of that environment. And so in the middle of that environment, it, it, it harassed me. It impacted me. It hurt me. Listen, here's what I'm saying is what we, what we see and hear impacts us. And this is why during tough times, during difficult times, we have to be even more careful about what we're seeing and hearing. David, who saw his family kidnapped, all his possessions taken and his house burned and devastation and his people turned against him. That's enough negatives to last a lifetime, much less in a compressed time. And yet David in the middle of that found strength in God. But what I keep saying is he couldn't have been looking at those problems and gotten stronger. So what did David do? So let's talk about David had to be very intentional as to his focus. I'm going to repeat this again. You can't gain strength looking at the loss and the problems. David said in Psalms 119, verse 50, he said, this is my comfort and my affliction. Your word has given me life. This is my comfort. You, 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 not, looking at the problem will not comfort you. Looking at the problem makes things harder. A number of years ago, Joy and I went through, it seemed like, just, a, just storm after storm. Storms in our family, storms in the church, and they were, they were difficult. Now, thank God. He helped us. He brought us through it. But as we looked back on it, what we realized was it wasn't just the storms we were going through. It's that we made it harder on ourselves. Because what we kept doing was we kept looking at the problem. We kept talking about the problem. We kept talking about what was happening. We kept talking about all those difficult things. And, and Joy and I had to admit, it's not that the Lord wasn't there. It's not that he wasn't trying to help us. We weren't helping ourselves because we kept looking at the wrong thing. You can't look at the problem and get answers. You can't look at the problem and get stronger. The psalmist David said, Lord, your word is my comfort and my affliction. Talking about the problem is not going to help you. In fact, what it does is it, it absolutely makes it worse because it magnifies it. The more you talk about it, the bigger it becomes. And so we've learned some things. We, uh, we went through a, a situation here not too long ago and we talked about when we came and the Lord helped us and he brought us through it just like he's gonna help you and bring you through it. And, and when, we, when we got through it, we talked about that it wasn't that it wasn't a big deal, but what it was is how we handled it was different. And we didn't talk about it. We talked about God helping us. We talked about his promises to us. We talked about his bigness and his goodness. And that brought us comfort. And we didn't talk the problem. I hate to, <laughs> I hate to say it took us that long to figure this out. So I'm, I'm trying to save you some time. Don't go that way. 
Don't keep talking God's word. So in the Proverbs, we get a little picture of, of how to be intentional and how to focus. It's a great proverb. It's found in Proverbs 4, verses 20 and 23. This is, a, this is one of, I consider one of those bedrock uh, instructional Proverbs here. Proverbs 4, let's take a look at this. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now let's talk about that just a little bit. Said, now let's look at it from David's perspective. He had to look at the Lord and look at his word. If you're going to get stronger, he had to do something. He couldn't keep looking at the problem. So give attention. Giving attention to God's word is, is an intentional act. You give attention. That means I'm going to pull my focus off of this. I'm going to put it here. Give attention. Listen to what God is saying. You know, there had to be a multitude of voices just bombarding David. Could you imagine you just walked in from all that devastation? Maybe a couple of your aides got you inside and got you away from all those people that want to kill you. And you're just sitting there overwhelmed. You've cried yourself just where you can't cry anymore. You've lost a family. You don't have a, you don't have any one of your wives. I guess if you have two wives, one of them ought to be in a good mood, but you got, you got nobody to talk to. And so here you are, you're by yourself. And don't, you know, the voices are just bombarding you. You're finished, David. What kind of godly leader are you, David? You're, it's your fault, David. If you'd, if you'd heard right, you would have never left. This would have never happened. You're to blame, David. Those people hate you, David. You'll, you'll never be back. And by the way, David, your family's gone. They're dead. You know, you know how the enemy is. He'll take a situation, he'll just blow it up. And the voices that come to you, we can't listen to those. That's why in the Proverbs it says, we have to listen to what God's saying. Incline your ear to what God's saying. Can you see how intentional this is? Can you see how with all the stuff that's going on, guys, we got a lot of stuff going on around us. But if we keep focusing on everything that's going on around us, we're going to miss all the good things that God is doing and what he's trying to say to us in this time. So instead of doing that, what we're, what we're going to do is, Lord, we're going to give attention to your stuff. He said, now don't lose sight of God's promises. Keep them in your heart. That, that means intentional. That means reminding, repetition. It's okay. I mean, I have cer- certain passages that I go over very regularly. Why? Because I, I want to remind myself of them. I, I want to get them in my heart. When I'm, when I'm seeing bad news and hearing bad news out here, I need to go to good news and I need to get good news in me. And I need to, I need to have it be a part of me. That's where I want to focus on. That's what I want to talk about. That's, that's where I want to put my attention because why? Because when we put God's word in us, when we focus there, when we're hearing that, the Bible said it's life to those that find them. It's life. It's light. It's strength. It's hope. It's, it's joy. It's, it's, it's what, there's life there. Man, I'm, I know what's going on out here. There's no life. Nobody's, nobody's got life. Nobody's, very few people are talking about how God's going to help us. I don't hear anybody on the news come up and talk about how God's going to help us and how God's going to make a difference. And yet people just keep feeding on the negative, on the negative. It's not helping anybody. Guys, listen, 
Just tune in a bit. Give, give extra time to hear what God's saying. And this is a great time to hear what he has to say to you and what he has to say to your heart. It's a wonderful time to listen. It's a wonderful time to tune out a lot of stuff and tune in. You, you being completely up on everything that's going on is not going to help you. You being strong in what God's promises are and what his promises are to you, that will help you. Now listen, if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know about that, Alan. That, that sounds extreme to me. Well, you know, for David to go in and be able to strengthen himself in the Lord is, was extreme as well. But David was living in an extreme time. I mean, what happened to him was extreme. Guys, do you understand that we're living in extreme times? And so extreme times, I'm not, I'm not as worried about being extreme during these times. And if you really stop and think about it, we applaud the extreme in this life. The Woodlands, Texas runs a, a triathlon. About every year they have triathletes that come and they, they swim a couple of miles and they, and they bike like a hundred some miles and they run a marathon. That is extremely extreme. And to be able to do that, but those people are extremely fit. We, we applaud Olympic athletes because they, they train, they focus, they work their whole lives around simply trying to win a medal. And we applaud them for their efforts and we applaud them for their discipline. That's extreme, but we give them a lot of extreme applause in, in our world. How about NFL players? You hear the, the toll that being an NFL football player takes on your body and you hear people talk about the sacrifices that they make and the pain that they endure. That's extreme but then we applaud them as much as anyone and they make extreme money. And so if you're thinking, well, I don't want to be extreme. I do because I need extreme results, especially when times are tough. This is a great time to do what Proverbs said. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. In other words, this is what I, I keep seeing. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They're life to those that find them. They're health. I mean, it'll even affect your physical body. Do you know if your heart is strong, your body is going to snap back and be stronger? I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a no lose. It's one of the only things that you can put in your life with a lot of, I mean, just you can put God's word in your heart and has zero side effects and it won't hurt you. It'll help you. So let's talk about the, that, that last thing, though. I, I want to talk about this before we, we close. I want to talk about protecting our heart from the things that would harass us and drain us. And we've, we've been talking about that a little bit. What we look at, what we think about, what we talk about is what gets in us, good and bad. What we think about, what we talk about, what we look at is what gets in us, whether that be good or bad. So I want to choose life. Romans 8, 6. Powerful little verse. It's a small one. It said, for to be carnally or naturally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Spiritually minded. What, what's that mean to be spiritually minded? Thinking about God, what he has said, what he has done, what he can do. So I'm going to think about what God can do. I'm going to think about God doing amazing things. 
I think about how big, what's that doing? That's being spiritually minded. I think about his promises. What's that doing? It's being spiritually minded. He's promised to help us. He's promised to go with us. He's promised to never leave us. He's promised to strengthen us. He has promised that he would be with us. Justin was talking about today, wherever you are, God's there. And so he said he would never leave us or forsake us. We can boldly say, the Lord is our helper. I'm not fair. What can man do to me? Now see, that's not just preaching. That's being spiritually minded. I'm thinking about this. And if we're spiritually minded, scripture says it produces life and peace. Now you know this as well as, well as I know this. You ever walked in and maybe had a friend or maybe if you're married, your, your spouse looks at you and go, what's the matter? And you go, uh, nothing. And you go, no, no. I, I saw it when you came in. How many of you know that what we're thinking about shows up? And it, it shows up in our life. If we're thinking good thoughts, if we're thinking godly thoughts, if we're thinking God's big and his promises and it's got life and peace on us, that shows up in our life. If our thoughts have gone negative, if we're worried, if we're anxious, and man, it's not hard to spot that. That's easy to spot. And so he said, guard your heart. What, what am I guarding my heart from? Well, that's, that's, what, that's what Paul said when he wrote, to be carnally or naturally minded. When I'm, when I'm thinking naturally minded, I'm thinking problem. I'm thinking the difficulty. I'm thinking the fear. I'm thinking the negative. I'm thinking the what if. And this is again why I'm encouraging you. If you've got a lot of negatives coming in, guys, you, you do as much as you can to block the negatives out and get God's word in. You need some positives coming your way. That's guarding your heart. I'm not going to sit there and focus on the what ifs and what could be. And this expert said this and this expert said that. Do you realize how many of the experts are wrong? I'm going to remind some of you. Some of you remember, know exactly what I'm talking about. Y2K. Remember Y2K? Y2K, we were all going to die. The whole power grid was going to be shut down. And we were going back to the Stone Age when the year went from 1999 to the year 2000 because none of the computers, man, there were people prepping and getting ready and heading for the mountains because Y2K was going to blow up everybody's life and it went over like, it was a whisper. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be a whisper, but what I am saying is the voices that are out there, a lot of them take whatever the problem is and blow it up big. We need to blow up God big, problem small. Why? To be carnally, fleshly, focused, negative, naturally minded. Man, it works depression. It works despondency. It works despair. But to be spiritually minded, what God says, what, he, what he's doing, how he can work, what his promises are, how his Holy Spirit can help us. That brings life, strength, peace. Our good friend of ours, who's a friend of this church, is Dr. Mark Rutland. And Dr. Rutland talked about a time in his life when he went through the, one of the most difficult times. It was just a depressing time. It just seemed like all the weight of the world had, had just dropped on him. He said he just was so close to the ledge, he'd never been more despondent. He said in the, in, he heard the voice of the enemy say, you don't have a prayer. But he heard the voice of the Holy Spirit whisper in his heart, yes, you do. And he began to take the Lord, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He began to take that prayer. And he said sometimes it seems like he would pray it a hundred times a day. Just over 
and over again during the day when his mind started to, to take off, he would take the Lord's prayer. Then he added the 23rd Psalm to it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now he was, he was doing it as a prayer, but he went over and over it and it helped bring him out of the darkness and bring him into the light and it strengthened him. Well, how did it strengthen him? Not because he's a wonderful preacher. It, it, it strengthened him because he took God's word and instead of just focusing on all the negatives and the oppression, he began to speak that. At the beginning of the year, I always encourage people, take the Lord's Prayer, take the 23rd Psalm, begin to speak those, have psalms that you speak in the morning. I woke up this morning before I got out of bed, I just sat on the edge of the bed and, and spoke the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What are you doing? You're getting words of life in you. And that's what Dr. Rutland did. In fact, he, he wrote a book about it. It's a great book. And he talked about that prayer and people who have done it what it's done is it pulls our mind off the problem and it pulls it back over into the spiritual answers that we have in God. Now, here's my last thing. David could not have been focused on the losses. David could not have walked out and looked at the smoldering ashes of Ziklag. He couldn't have sat there and stared at what used to be his house and sorted through the, the rubble for any remnant of what reminded him of his family. He couldn't have done that because if he had, it would not have strengthened him. It would have drained him. Isaiah 44, 20, Joy was sharing this verse with me. I thought it was so appropriate. That first part said, he feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside. Listen, I don't want to feed on ashes. I want to feed on things that have life. And what we think about will impact us. I'm going to close with my famous hairy leg story. Many of you, if you, if you know me, you've heard this one before. If you're new, you, you'll appreciate this. When I was about 12 years old, uh, I ran a junior Olympic track back in North Carolina where I grew up. And just talking about what we think about, how, how that impacts us. I did a regional track meet in Raleigh, North Carolina. My dad and my sister, we all came. And uh, I lined up against 11 and 12 year olds. And uh, I, in the 100 yard dash, I beat them, beat them pretty good. And then I, I went and ran uh, the, uh, uh, well, I think it was the 220. I was already feeling pretty good and I cleaned everybody's clock in that. I had, I had two blue ribbons already. I did the, I did the uh, long jump and won that. So I, I'm on a roll. I, I'm in the zone. And I remember I was, I was standing there and three guys came up to me. They said, hey man, we... Uh, we're, we're going to run in this relay. We need someone to be in it. We need a fourth man to be in it. Will you be in our relay with us? And I looked at them in my 12-year-old cockiness. I said, yeah. I said, as long as you let me run last. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, man. You, you run last. Well, I ran last and, man, we killed them. I walked out of there with four, four blue ribbons in a junior Olympic event for first place. It was maybe the highlight of my entire athletic career right there. If I'd have known that, it would have been very despondent. But I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And so two weeks later, I show up for the state junior Olympic track meet for the state of North Carolina. We show up in, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I can still remember this day. I know what the track looked like. When I jogged up to one of the guys with a lanyard around his neck, I said in my little 12-year-old voice, I said, Sir, where's the, where's the boys 11 and 12 uh, 100-yard dash? He was writing on the thing. He said, we don't have a boys 11 and 1200 yard dash. He said, we have a boys 
uh, 12 and 13 hundred yard dash. He said, they're lining up down there. Now, when he said 12 and 13, my heart sunk. Because if you can remember, especially that 12 and 13, sometimes there's a world of difference between a 12 year old and a 13 year old who's about to turn 14. And I looked down at the end of the track where the, where the guys were lining up and it, were, it, were, it was a bunch of gorillas down there. These, these guys were just like, they were all massive. And so my, I'm already feeling bad about this. And so now I walk down there. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling confident. I'm not feeling good. I'm, I know I'm about to get my tail kicked. And so I, I, I lined up and I never forget we lined up. And, and we look, we look, I looked down the road and there was all these, these hairy legs. And then there was mine with two hairs on my ankle. And I looked down and all these guys are going, good luck, good luck, good luck. And I, I went, yeah, good luck. They shot the gun and I took off. Worst hundred yard dash time I had run in years. Same guy. I was in great shape. There was no reason I should have done poorly. But to be carly minded, negatively focused, is death to be spiritually minded. If I'd have been thinking about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I might not have won, but I at least would have run better. I ran horrible because of what I allowed to get in my mind. Listen, you're going through difficult times. Let's get our mind off of all the negatives. There's plenty out there. Let's get our mind on how big God is, his promises in your life and what he can do. We're going to take a moment and we're going to pray if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So there's a place on there that after we pray, if you want to click and say, yes, I gave my life to Jesus, you can even text in to us at 313131. Text the word in. We'll get some information to you. Man, we love you. Be the best decision. Maybe you've been away from God. You realize you need to come back. This is a great time to do it. Bow your head. Let's say this prayer. I'll lead you in it. You pray it with me. Pray it out loud so you can hear yourself pray. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Thank you, Father, for those who have come out of darkness into light and for those who have come back home. We rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest, I thank you that you're there, you're present, you're powerful, and you're helping us through this situation and it will pass. Let me bless you before we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.